Hello, and welcome to MCQ Views and Voices, the podcast about life in the Mauricie and Centre du Québec region. I'm Julie Miller, and in a short while, we'll be joined once again by François Roy for another installment of From Burton to Barton, 200 Years of Anglo-Life in Trois-Rivières. We're still in the first decades of English colonial rule in this part of the world. A great many Scots came to Three Rivers, as it was known then, to make their fortune, to make their mark, or both. The first Scots were military men. We've heard about the Fraser Highlanders in a previous episode, but there were many other Scots attached to different regiments who found their way to Trois-Rivières. In this episode, François is going to talk about two Scots in particular, one about whom we know very little, and another whose life story is told in an unusual place. Both men, however, were linked to a very fateful battle that took place in Scotland in the mid-1700s, the culmination of a rebellion that any fan of the Outlander TV series will know. So here's our latest episode devoted to two Scottish war veterans. Francois, you're back. Well, uh, I'm faithful. I'm the old. <laughs> I'm the old faithful, like in Wyoming, you know, Yellowstone. Oh, well, we appreciate that. I, it's great to see you. you. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah? I'm expecting to do my bicycle. Uh, whatever uh, this recording session will be over, you know, I'll be biking my way around. You know. Great. Sounds like fun. Okay, so uh, today, James Sinclair and Edward MacDonald. We are going to talk about them. We are still in the early history of an English presence in Trois-Rivières, right? Oh, yes. So, oh, yes. Very, very early. We, you know, um, These were two Scots. That's what I'm going to say. And you're going to take it from here. Who were James Sinclair and Edward MacDonald? They were veterans from Culloden, both. Oh! And veterans they ended up in Trois-Rivières. Both, and uh, it was seems like it was a show to see them uh, every once in a while to put on their uh, Scottish uh, dress Kilt. and uh, their, their uh, Scottish attire, their formal Scottish attire. Yeah. Yes, and and they uh, we we know about uh, this uh, sort of uh, relation between the two. We know that from. Uh, uh, the uh, Military Register, which is a sort of a review, a sort of magazine published in Great Britain for the sake of the soldiers, past and present soldiers, the Military Register. And in 1818, the Military Register talked about the beautiful village of Three Rivers, 
where uh, two former uh, Scottish veterans used uh, to live and to have a sort of uh, uh, amical, uh, fr friendly, friendly relationship, uh, even though they were enemies at Culloden in 1745 uh, or so. 40, it, it's 46. called the revolution, the rebellion of the 45, but the battle Culloden was in 1746. That's there it. are su there there are a whole lot of super interesting things that you said that I just want to take a moment and, and underline. First of all, so the military register, it sounds like a list, but it wasn't. It was like a journal, a newspaper. It That's was it. A, like a, a broadsheet of some sort, and it was for soldiers, current, past, perhaps future little boys. Reading the military register, who knows? Um, so that so that's where I, I want to talk a bit more about that in a minute. Where the military register mentioned the beautiful village of Three Rivers, isn't that <laughs> lovely? So Three Rivers has this international reputation. But I also want to come back to I want to come back to Culloden. But you said James Sinclair and Edward MacDonald would sometimes take pleasure in parading around in their full formal kilt. Uh, they probably loved that they could parade around in their kilt here because it was banned in Scotland. Maybe, yeah. I suppose that it's... No, it was. Yeah, After the rebellion, so Culloden, Culloden. If anybody doesn't know, um, if you've watched Outlander, that was the, the, the epic battle in you know, the end of season one or two, whatever, where the Scots quote, because there were Scots on both sides. But let's just say that for, for simplicity, the Scots were crushed by the English, and then the English ran a campaign of, uh, you know, burning, killing, and destroying farms so that they would never rise again. That was the last battle fought on British soil, the Battle of Culloden. And there's a famous uh, folk song dating back to uh, this uh, uh, rebellion. It goes like, uh, my bunny lies over the ocean, my bunny lies over the sea. Bring back, bring back, bring back my bunny to me. Bunny Prince Charles Stuart was uh, claiming the, the, the crown of uh, Great Britain. And he was uh, supported by France, of course. And he made this, uh, this attack on England from Scotland. They went, they went south as far as Derbyshire. And uh, after a while, the Duke of Cumberland, who was fighting on the continent, was uh, called back in England, and he, he began a pursuit of, uh, of uh, Charles, who had to uh, move back Retreat. to Scotland, and it was the disaster of Culloden then. It was a complete disaster. So, so here we have these two survivors of Culloden, who, uh, James Sinclair and Edward MacDonald, on opposite sides, who find themselves in Three Rivers. Three Rivers, we're going to call it Three Rivers. That's what they, that's what the English used to call it. Now the English call Three Rivers Trois Rivières, but it was Three Rivers. Um, what, what were they doing here? Were they, were they, were they at, at the Battle of the Plains of Abraham? Who, who, who were they? What, what were they doing? Here? We don't know nothing. I personally, no. Uh, let, let's be modest. I don't know nothing about uh, Edward Macdonald. I discovered this guy in the military register, which is a kind of trade paper you were talking about minutes ago. Right. So uh, we don't know much about uh, Edward MacDonald, except that he, he's, he was living in Trois-Rivières and he was a veteran of Culloden. But we know about James Sinclair because uh, his graveyard, uh, his tombstone on the cemetery of Trois-Rivières, his life is there. They say he was born in 1732 in Scotland, 
They say he was at Culloden with uh, the Duke of Cumberland. It's written uh, it's, uh, it's on his tombstone. So I on the suppose British side. he was not a fighter. I suppose he was not a fighter because he was 14. Being 14 in the army means uh, probably you're a drummer, a drummer boy, or you're a cook, or you take care of horses, I suppose. But he was at Culloden, and he was proud of that. And uh, Tom Stone says also that he's was in, uh, he was at uh, Lewisburg and at uh, the Plains of Abraham with the celebrated, the illustrious wolf. And uh, we know that uh, living in Trois-Rivières, he's been recalled to Quebec City in 1776 when the Bostonians, the, the American rebels, made the siege of Quebec City in, 17, in the, well, the winter of 75-76 uh, with uh, Montgomery, the, general, the American general uh, Montgomery. So we know that uh, 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 James Sinclair was there. He was, uh, he, he was called back, he was a, a senior soldier, but still he was under, uh, he was fighting with England still in 1776. He came back to Trois-Rivières to die in 1820-something because the last, the last uh, number is sort of eroded, you know, on the tombstone. He died in the 1820, uh, in the 1820s, at the end of the 1820s. And we know that in 1818, the military register pretended that they were about 100 years old, both of them, but it was certainly the case, not the case with Sinclair. Maybe MacDonald was older, I don't know, but Sinclair, being born in 32, you know, uh, in uh, 1732, he was uh, not certainly uh, 100 years old in 1818, you know. So all this information about James Sinclair is inscribed on his tomb on a big stone in the, is it's the Anglican Cemetery, the old Anglican Cemetery. Where is that cemetery? It's in Trois-Rivières still. Well, if you come to Trois-Rivières and you talk about the, uh, the, uh, the old French quarter, the colonial quarter, you go on Rue des Ursulines, around the monastery of the Ursuline nuns. But... A little higher, uh, a little upstream from uh, from the French historic quarter, there was an English uh, quarter where you had the uh, the city, the, um, the courthouse, you had this uh, the the high school, you had this Anglican cemetery, which is uh, now on the, right behind the court hall. It's on uh, Saint François Xavier Street. And it's the place where uh, you can see not only uh, the the, gray, the tombstone of James Sinclair, but some others, uh, uh, personalities uh, of uh, English and Scottish origin. It was Anglican, but I think it was open to uh, to the Presbyterians and others uh, denominations that were not Catholics. I think. Hmm. So, uh, the story of James Sinclair. You you'd mentioned Edward MacDonald. We don't know anything about him. We just know that he was here, right? 
because uh, because of this yes. military register that you did research in. We know that he was here, and we know that. How do we know that he was on the opposite side? Is that from the uh, military? It's said, I mean, the opposite side in, in Kulun. It said, in, it is it's a, written in the in this copy of the military register, and uh, we know also that uh, these guys were uh, have been subscribers to the Waterloo Fund. After the Battle of Waterloo, there's been a campaign throughout the British Empire to help the uh, the orphans and the widows of the uh, fallen soldiers of Waterloo, the Waterloo Farm, and in Trois-Rivières, the elite, French and English, uh, they were subscribers to this Waterloo Farm. You can find their names, and that's quite interesting. It's funny to, <laughs> to, to see that uh, the Waterloo was celebrated as a victory in French Canada when it's supposed to be a defeat in France. So uh, it, it, we even have the uh, Nelson Column in, uh, in, uh, in Montreal, which uh, celebrates the victories of Admiral, uh, Admiral Nelson, Horatio Nelson. Uh, and uh, the, the English were sort of celebrating what the they thought was the great victory of England over France, and maybe some of them were thinking that it should humiliate the French Canadians, but the French Canadians had no more ties with France, and they've been told by their priests and their rectors that uh, uh, the French Revolution was a shame for humanity, that it was a danger for uh, all Catholics, and it's a good thing to be under the uh, British regime. Uh, because the British regime was a monarchy with a certain respect of, uh, of religions, uh, and uh, they, they were presenting in, in French Canadian parishes, the French regime was presented as, uh, as a devil's uh, work, you know? So that's that's something that uh, was a hallmark of the British when they first arrived was freedom of religion. They did allow people to continue to practice their religion. Is that correct? Uh, yes, but they could not be part of uh, occupy a, a, an official uh, function. Uh, oh, be, so they could be, practice their religion at their peril. They could they, practice their religion, but they couldn't advance in any sort of government or official job. They could, as Catholics and as Jews, and we'll see later that uh, for the Catholics, uh, uh, the, the problem was solved, and it took a little more time, you know, for, for a Jewish person, and they were, there was a Jewish, uh, a Jewish colony in Trois-Rivières, it, it took uh, more time for them to be recognized and to occupy an official function in the, in the administration of the colony. And it all came from the Parliament in London. They decided to, um, to the emancipation of the Catholics and later the emancipation of the Jews. But uh, there's been a, a debate, uh, a very hard-fought debate in, in England to see what we're going to do with the Catholics and what we're going to do with the Jews. 
So we're going to talk about the Hart family in the next uh, in the next uh, episode. But that brings us back once again to this huge divide along religious lines and all the discrimination that followed, all the entrenched positions that would pe- people would take over generations, uh, that divide between Protestants and Catholics, as we've seen in Trois-Rivières, because there were these French-speaking Protestant members of the British Army who rose fairly high. Haldimand was a French speaker, and here he was the governor of... Uh, of Canada, as you said, although it wasn't Canada then, it was governor of the British colony. And was he also Upper Canada too? When did Upper Canada come in into being? I'm just... 1793 with the uh, constitutional law, because okay, you, uh, you had Upper Canada and Lower Canada, and uh, mm. later on there's been the union of both in 1840 after the rebellion in in uh, in both Canadas. There's been we're going to see that the, there was, a, of course, a rebellion in Trois-Rivières and in all of, uh, of uh, Lower Canada, but for other reasons, it, uh, Upper Canada had also his rebellion around Toronto with the Mackenzies yeah. and all that. W- which we'll get to. So back, just to finish up with uh, James Sinclair and Edward Donald, both of them lived here in Trois-Rivières, and I think it's, it's interesting that the Scots were dispersed uh, after Culloden, very much. They began to emigrate to other countries. And, you know, here they were, even in Trois-Rivières, who would have thought that there was a connection? Uh, but there was. <clears throat> and this military register, which was a European publication, um, mentioned the beautiful village of Trois-Rivières, which was a beautiful a beautiful village, I, I imagine it was. A wonderful place to be, if you liked peace and quiet, perhaps. Uh, Burton... The first governor thought it was uh, an unfortunate stepping stone to somewhere else. And for Haldimand, it was a stepping stone as well. He was governor of Trois-Rivières for a year, wasn't he? A year or so, something like that. Actually, he was just interim filling in. So it's often seen as a stepping stone. But for James Sinclair and Edward MacDonald probably as well, it was a final resting place. But one generation later, we're going to have Scottish immigrants here. They will not be soldiers. They will not come with an army. They will come to to look for fortune, for wealth, and they will get it, as you will see, with the iron works, with the lumber industry, with all that. Uh, we're going to see that the, the next generation of Scottish immigrants to Trois-Rivières will be very different and will be um, will form a really a family compact, should I say? They will marry against uh, uh, among each other, and uh, they will have their own pre- uh, Presbyterian church. And they, they, uh, it will not not any more folklore, and not any more. My bunny lies over the ocean. You know, <laughs> they will be no, there it's a for, very different, for business. A for very business, different breed of Scots. Be, there will be more English than the English. Yeah. Yeah, and they're probably coming from another area of Scotland. But yes, they're businessmen, entrepreneurs, merchants. That's for a future episode. Francois, thank you so much. It's always fascinating to talk to talk to you. And I was pretty excited to find out that there was a connection to Trois-Rivières, uh, that Trois-Rivières had with Culloden. Uh, my family's originally from Trois-Rivières. Maybe we'll talk about that in a, in a future episode. Does that sound thank okay you. with you? Okay. Okay, bye. Everything's all right. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm the old faithful. I told you, I will do everything <laughs> you ask. <laughs>
You have researched most of the, most, if not all, of the material for this podcast, so you've done it faithfully. <laughs> That's it. Uh, have a great have a great day. Have fun on your bike. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> If you want to know more about Scottish military men and their families who settled in Quebec, a great resource is a book by writer, historian, and retired McGill professor Sam Allison called Driven by Fortune, The Scots' March to Modernity in America, 1745-1812. to The book tells the story of the 78th Fraser's Highlanders from the 1745 Jacobite Rebellion in Scotland through the Seven Years' War and the American Revolution to the War of 1812. It's a highly readable book and fascinating for anyone who has Scottish roots. This podcast is part of an ERCC project made possible with funding from the Secrétariat aux Relations avec les Québécois d'expression anglaise. MCQ Views and Voices is produced by Case MCQ. And I'd like to give a big thank you this week to Mark Eschemann, who has given some special technical support in Trois-Rivières to help us get this podcast series off the ground. Thank you so much, Mark. Music this week from the Scots group Barul. Now, as you heard, uh, we don't know anything about Edward MacDonald, except that he was a survivor of Culloden, and he made his way to the beautiful village of Three Rivers at some point before 1818. There were undoubtedly other veterans, just like him, who haven't been recorded in history. Chances are that Edward was connected to the Fraser's 78th Highland Regiment, and it's almost certain, since he fought with the rebels at Culloden against the English crown, that he spoke Scots Gaelic. So today we'll go out with a song from the Scots group, The Battlefield Band. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye for now, or in Scots Gaelic, Marshin Leave Andrasta. I'm
and glow them for good. But I've been the country, I guess she Oh, you're the moon. I'm the glowing moon. 